I really highly encourage you to kind of pray about that and give to these five ministries. All right. So with the sermon, I'd like for you to turn to the person next to you. All right. I need to make it a little interactive because I know it's been a long week. It's a little dark and maybe you're already tired. Okay. So a little interaction to begin our sermon. I want you to share with the person next to you. What is the best gift that you've ever received? Okay. And don't be all cheesy and be like my husband, my wife. No, no I'm talking about like a gift that was bought. It was wrapped, put in a bag or a box, and given to you. All right, so with the person next to you, please share what is the best gift that you've ever received. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I mean, I see some smiles, so maybe you guys have received some really good things. Uh, One of the things that, or the reason why I'm asking you to share is because isn't it true that the outward appearance of the bag or the box that you get... uh, it really shapes the expectation of that gift, doesn't it? Well, sometimes it does. For example, let's just say you get this bag. Anyone ever, you know, who knows what this is? What is it? Why are the high school kids raising their hand, all right? Uh, all right, so this is Tiffany's. And so let's say your husband or boyfriend or fiance comes up and says, hey, I have this gift for you, and then they give you this bag. What's your expectation? Anyone? I'm sorry? Jewelry, okay, anything else? What? Oh, diamond? Okay. Ring or bling? Okay. This is not going well, okay? So, uh, but the expectation, I've walked into Tiffany's before. I bought some stuff. Um, It could be like $50 or it could be like thousands of dollars. Isn't that true? So your expectation is kind of all over the place. But let's just say you get a bag that looks like this. Now your expectation changes. Because even if you get a belt buckle from here, man, it's like thousands of dollars, man. When I walk into Louis Vuitton, I feel small. Have you experienced that? You feel like they're looking at you like, what are you here to buy? And you just slowly crawl out. I cannot afford anything in this room. But let's say your husband or fiance gave you this bag. The outward appearance, right? shapes your expectation. I think this is powerful because when you look at Jesus, uh, it tells us that we have a free gift of God in Christ Jesus. It's eternal life in him. That Jesus is this gift. But it's totally unexpected because outwardly when you look at Jesus, everything about him, none of it screams, I am the son of God, savior of the world. Isn't that true? He comes as a lowly baby in a manger. And we're now in Matthew 27. The reason why I pecked this passage is because everything about it is unexpected. First of all, he's dying a death, spit on, mocked. And we know the story of a common criminal, the worst of society. But you know what's really cool and unexpected about this? passage. I don't know if you've ever read Matthew's account, but I love it because there are miraculous things that are happening in this passage. And all of a sudden, it is unexpected in a different sense because now all of a sudden this common death looks so uncommon to wake you up for you to now all of a sudden expect, wow, maybe there's something supernatural, miraculous 
God sent happening as these three criminals are dying on these wooden posts. Tonight, I want to look at these unexpected things. Some of us, we already know this, but hopefully to remind us of what Jesus had to do, what Jesus had to become. See, he could have come as a king riding in with gold and chariots and thousands of myriads of angels and armies killing people left and right. But he comes differently because his desire is not for triumph or conquering Rome, but he comes to fill our greatest need, which is our sin problem. Because of that, he follows the will of the Father, and he comes to die this unexpected death of a person that claims to be deity. So I want you to see three things that are happening here. First thing you're going to see, and it's totally unexpected, is you see that there's darkness. So take a look here in verse 45. It says, Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you take a look, the reason why this is unexpected is because this is from noon to 3 p.m. And the darkness is not just like this cloud that's covering Jesus like a little crown on his head. But if you read the original language, it says over all the land, meaning most likely it's from horizon to horizon, there is darkness covering. To help you to understand that this is not natural. That what's happening here is all of a sudden happening in a way where all of a sudden you question, man, something is happening here that is maybe not earthly. The second thing you see, and it becomes even crazier, if you look here, verse 52. This is like the Walking Dead Christian style, okay? I want you to see how crazy and unexpected this is. The crucifixion is happening. And in verse 52, it says this. The tombs also were open. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So there is darkness, and then all of a sudden, there is an earthquake that shakes the grounds, and all of a sudden, Maybe the earthquake doesn't maybe clue you in, and then the tombs open up, and there are people that just died, because these are believers. So these are people that died within the past three years of Jesus' ministry. They've seen Jesus, they believe. You buried them like a year ago, and you see John walking across the street. What the, John? And he comes, and he's literally like, what's up? A little unexpected, a little crazy. Something is happening that is not natural. 
Did you know that up to this point, there were about 30,000 crucifixions by Rome? Out of the 30,000 that had occurred, this was the first time where it was recorded where crazy things are happening. People that have died are coming out of the grave. Something is happening. The last thing, and this is the greatest miracle, because I think some of us, I don't know about you, but I would be freaked out, right? I don't know about you, right? And you guys like Walking Dead? You watch that? And then you, you pretend like, what would I do if they were chasing me? Anyone? Yeah? Okay, maybe it's just me, okay? So, uh, you have these thoughts, and maybe that kind of all of a sudden overshadows everything. But if you know anything about the Bible or anything about the spiritual truth of how God intervenes in people, this last miracle is the greatest one of all. Because what is the last thing we see here? Anyone? The curtain is torn in two. You're like, Pastor John, I've done that in my house. I stepped on the curtain wrong and then, right? Why is that supernatural? Why is that crazy at all? Well, if you know the biblical Old Testament and how God interacted with his people, this curtain was very special. Here's a little picture to kind of give you a visual if you've never really studied what this curtain looked like. Take a look at that, and I want you to look at verse 50 with me. And it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, not just any curtain, but the curtain of the temple was torn in two from what? From what? From top to bottom. Did you know that this huge curtain was about 60 feet long, about 30 feet high, about four inches thick? It sometimes took 300 men to lift up and clean or move in place. And so this thing was not something that was just easily torn. And the fact that it's torn from top to bottom helps you to understand what? That it is initiated by not man, but by God. And this is very powerful and important in Old Testament and New Testament covenant language because only one person, the high priest, was allowed to go past that curtain because behind the curtain was the presence of God. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would represent God's people and walk in. And if he was not pure from sin, he would die on the spot. And so when Jesus is on the cross, breathing his last, the miraculous work of God initiated from heaven, is communicating one thing to us. That now, all of you are free to enter into my presence. That because of what Jesus just did on the cross, because of what just occurred, it looked like a common criminal dying. It was not. It was heaven meeting earth the obedience to fulfill the law and to absolve your sin is accomplished as Jesus breathed his last. That's good news. That's good news, yes? Amen? That's good news. And now we can meet at Stonegate Elementary 
and say it's a church. And God's presence will meet us here. That is a gift that's given by Jesus and him alone. This is why you can be at a Starbucks with weird secular music and say, I could connect with God in an intimate way. That is only given by what was accomplished on the cross. This is why you can be in Seattle on a vacation and all of a sudden go into the closet, read your Bible on your phone, and now you have met with the living God of the universe. Because now what Jesus has done is allowed you into his presence, not because you're worthy, not because you've done anything to deserve it, but because Jesus covers us. Any of you guys like the, the show Voice? So we have one fan. I, I do enjoy the show actually quite a bit. But the premise is like, it's tough sometimes, right? Because these are like struggling musicians and they're all talented. Have you watched? It's not like American Idol where they come up and some of them really bad, right? The voice, they're mostly really talented. And the, the premise is they can't see you, so there's a blind chair, and then they just wait till one or two or three or four of the judges turn around. And it's heartbreaking as some of them are singing their heart out, and they are not turning. You know what I'm talking about? And then they show the family, and the family's like, come on, Adam Levine, he loves you, turn. And you sit there and you agonize, and it's horrible because some of them, they are actually really talented, really gifted, and no one turns. Why am I sharing that? Well, because I want you to know something. You know, a lot of these shows, it, it really, there's a spiritual truth there. Because when we go before God, it's not going to be the country guy, Christina Aguilera and, you know, Adam Levine. It's going to be God, the Father, Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. And even before we even sing a note about what we did in God's name, because we're going to come out covered in the blood of Christ, every button is going to be hit. They're all going to turn around and say, welcome, oh, my faithful daughter and son. Not because you sing so well. Not because you did so many kingdom things. Not because you did your quiet time so well as opposed to your brother who didn't. It's only because Jesus hung on that cross. As Galatians 3.13 tells us, he became cursed on our behalf. He bore the sin. And now because of that, we have a gift. It's free. And it's given to all of us if we would just receive it. What I love about this account so much is that you see not just this horrible death of a man that's just hung there, but you see Jesus who is in full control of the whole situation. He is taking sour wine. Why? Because he's in control and he knows this is something that the Old Testament prophesies and I'm going to keep it. It's not a man that's just hanging up there. He is, what, yielding his own spirit. He gives it on his own accord. If you ever read John 10, 18, it says, no one takes it, he's talking about his life, from me, but I lay it down on my own accord because the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And we are his sheep that he loves. 
And I love it because it's literally him dying and miraculous things are happening and Jesus is not going crazy. He is in full control, sovereign over every decision. And he yields his spirit when he knows it's time. And earth shakes, people are risen, curtain is torn, so that you can know that this is not one common person, but the Savior of the world. The last thing I did want to share, if you look at this passage, there's a response by the centurion, isn't there? And he says, truly, this was the Son of God. I love that. There's a response. Did you know that there's like 1,000 pages of literature written on that one phrase? Because they want to know, oh, was he actually saying he's saved? Is he actually now a Christian? Does he really believe? And after all of that study, you know what the, the conclusion is? I don't know. You know why? Because you can't tell. The Bible isn't clear. So you can gesture all you want, but you're not sure. But you know what I love about this is because we need to all respond. We all have a chance to respond to what happens on the cross. And see, we can't judge another person's response, but you know your own personal response to the Lord. And tonight, I want to challenge you. When that curtain is torn and you see Christ, even as people of faith, how are you responding to Jesus' sacrifice? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews 10. Because tonight I want to challenge you to respond well. In verse 19 of chapter 10, it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, what are we to do? How are we to respond? Well, it says this, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. My brothers and sisters, this is the author of Hebrews telling us, when you understand what Jesus did for you, this is how you respond well. Draw near to him. Take church seriously. Be people that live according to what he desires. Not because you're trying to do something, right? For example, when I was in college, I remember one of my roommates hated going to church, but he was a Christian, you know. And so I would guilt, I would guilt trip him. So I would use this verse. I'd be like, hey, don't neglect to meet together. And it actually kind of worked, because he'd be like, okay, I'd go. But that was like the, 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 the worst way, because it wasn't because Jesus saved him that he was going. It was because my friend was telling me, oh, man, you're going to go to hell. Like, you need to listen to God. And it's the wrong motivation. But when you understand the clear motivation that because now we have the confidence to go into the holy places, into the presence of God, how are you responding? Because of what Jesus did, 
Are you remembering the most important relationship in your life and drawing near to him and spending time and understanding that now because of that beautiful opportunity we have each and every day to have fellowship with him, granted by Jesus and his sacrifice, are we remembering that or are other things so much more important and more grand? I want to show you a little video. Okay. I thought it was kind of cool because it's going to kind of illustrate what the proper response, I believe, is to not forget the most important relationship in our lives. Take a look. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? Kylie Minogue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Oh, God, I wouldn't have a clue. I know, straight up. Paul Hogan. Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. I'd like to have dinner with Justin Bieber. <laughs> what? He's not coming to my house. So, um... <laughs> I'd have Bob Hawke. Dave Hughes. Barry Humphreys. Jimi Hendrix. People who have made a difference in the world, maybe Nelson Mandela at the dinner table. <laughs> If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, who would you choose? Probably our whole family, like a whole extended family. Mum and Dad. Mum and Dad. Does it have to be a celebrity? Could it be family? We love it. We talk about how school is. We ask Mum and Dad how their day was. Family. Yeah, Mum and Dad. Family. Like to have dinner with. They just want to be with us mm. while they're eating food, which is pretty cool. They see us above everything. I'm gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, bit of a message in it for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm not saying spend time with your loved ones, okay? I hope you get the illustration here. I think sometimes in life, there are things that seem more important. But I want you to understand that God has literally died on the cross to say, look, I I love you. My desire is that you would draw near to me. I just want to spend time with you. This is the God of the universe. And for some odd reason, I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm like, Man, I can't wait to go home and watch Dallas Cowboys and the Rams play. I'm so excited. It's literally like a Sunday, and it's like, I'm so excited to do that. And then you, all of a sudden, you've lost sight of the most important relationship in your life. And sometimes we just need a perspective change. And you can see these parents. Can you imagine? Like, oh my gosh, Kylie Minogue? What the heck is wrong with me? I want to tell you something. Jesus died for each and every one of you. Not just to give you heaven, which is great. Because he loves you. And the author of Hebrews is like, man, if you understand what it cost for that curtain to be opened, and for you to be able to spend time with the living God of this universe. If you really understood that, 
You know what I want to do? I want us to draw near to Him. To hold fast to the hope that we have. To not neglect meeting together. To consider how we can encourage and stir one another for love and for good works. How will you respond? I want you to worship and remember Him, obviously. But I want you to know that He loves you and desires to meet with you tonight. Not tomorrow. Not next week when it's convenient or when you're not tired. He died so that we can have life and hope and we say this word a lot, relationship with Him. I want to just give you a little bit of time. Let's respond in prayer. I want you to take a few moments to just go before him. First thing I want you to do, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this story so often that we maybe forget the significance of the weightiness of the supernatural things that were occurring on that day. Maybe we could just sit and just communicate with our God who loves us and to just talk with him. Say, God, thank you that you would die on our behalf, that you would care about us, little o us, that you would want to commune and dine, communicate and talk and share with us. Let's ask for perspective changes, to see him as that, the curtain breaker, the one that allows us to draw near to him, that gives us access into backstage with the living God. And it's just say, God, I, I want to just live life and responding well, not forgetting your sacrifice and what Good Friday means. So I want to just give you a few moments just to pray. Let's pray and respond. Let's pray now. Keep that prayerful heart as we go into a time of communion. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture for us. And this is for all the believers, for those that have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Romans 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. What a beautiful reminder of the work of Christ, how his body was broken and his blood was shed. I'm gonna say a prayer for us and then I'm gonna just invite you to one of the two tables. There's one to my left and to my right. And please, if you could just keep that prayerful 